Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. Hi Renee, she is Tam. Hey Renee. Hey Miss Tam. I would say what's up with you, but <laughs> let's just jump right into it because I know everybody wants to know what's up with your weekend. Yes, exactly. Well, this weekend I am uh, in Portland. I'm still in Portland. You know, Tam, I, this is my second time coming to Portland, my first time being here performing actually at uh, one of the comedy clubs here, but it is absolutely gorgeous out here. I don't know if any of our uh, listeners have ever been to Portland, Oregon. If you ever get a chance to come out to Portland, Oregon, if you've never been here, I totally recommend it. It's just a, a very beautiful city. I actually really, really thoroughly enjoy coming here and I love it. Well, that's awesome. I've been to Portland before. I actually was down there, I believe with Lexus was the last time I was down there test driving some cars, got an opportunity to drive all over. The area is absolutely beautiful because it's so green and lush, I guess because they get a lot of rain, unlike us in California. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And let's not forget, that's where Nike is. In fact, when I was down there the last time, I got me a pair of custom nikes from the nike store and i didn't pay any tax because there's no tax they have no sales that's correct that that is absolutely the most beautiful thing about this place (laughs) yeah unlike uh where we live at where the tax is almost 10 percent. yeah pretty crazy on a side note not to bring it down but i do recall somebody saying the suicide rate is high in Portland as well. And I can see that because what the hell do people do there? I mean, I was there for about three or four days on my last trip and I was like, okay, time to get back to California. (laughs) Portland, I think, and Seattle uh, are um, two of the cities that have a a high suicide rate. But it it almost kind of, you look at it, Tam, and you go, well, it kind of makes sense in a way because it's always raining and, and cloudy out here. But when you have a weekend like the the weekend I've been having here, it has just been beautiful. It was only an overcast the day that I got here, which was Thursday. But other than that, it's been sunny. I think the high has been like maybe 74, 75. And the lows gets into like maybe the low 60s, upper 50s. But it's been absolutely gorgeous out here. Since I brought the show down, I guess now it's time for me to bring it up. Yep, and before I bring it up with some NASCAR talk, my weekend was what it was. I watched some NASCAR. It wasn't as eventful as last Saturday when I went to watch the Kentucky Derby as well as the Triple G fight. It was kind of low-key. I have a few things going on. I actually wrote an article for The Drive. I kind of wrapped up the race at Kansas. And I have some other things I need to write. So I'm kind of low-key for this weekend. But next weekend, I think I may be out in Charlotte for the All-Star Race. I haven't decided. I know you guys are like, what? I'm a last minute person. Like I'll just jump on a flight a couple of days before. Oh, I guess the only excitement, I did get a new car. I don't know if anybody cares, but I got the same car that I've been driving forever. I got another car. Well, I got another. Well, it's not even the same model now because now the model change. 
So it's the same car, really, but they it has a new name. And I know that sounds weird, but yeah, so I got it in a gunmetal gray and it's a powerful engine. The engine is so powerful, even when I'm sitting at the light, it's like a racing engine. So <laughs> that's pretty exciting. I've already put 30 miles on my car since I got it from the dealership, which is pretty interesting because I've only driven home from the dealership. And to the gym two or three days. Oh, and I went to the beach. Ah. So I guess I did have a pretty eventful weekend or pretty eventful week since the last time we talked. Yeah, well, you know, anytime you get to go to the beach, I think it's a um, a successful weekend. <laughs> yeah, but it's been ugly and I went to work out. So I can't really say that, you know, like it was all that. I mean, I went to work out in the sand. I was hot, sweaty, and cold at the same time because I go to the gym and then my gym is literally all of a five-minute drive to the beach. So I'll work out at the gym, then I'll leave, and then I'll head to the beach to finish off my workout because the summer is coming and I need to get just a thin layer of fat off my belly. (laughs) (laughs) And I know y'all like, where has this conversation gone? So on that note, I'm going to take this conversation to... Kansas, as in the KC Masterpiece 400 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup race at Kansas Speedway. Yeah, that was a mouthful, but I got it out. Yeah. Okay. Before we go any further, let me give you the top 10 as I do every week as we start to talk. You guys know what we're talking about. Kind of a refresher because I know you guys are super NASCAR fans and you watch the race, but I'm going to refresh the top 10 for you. I don't know. Can you say refresh? Yeah. I'm going to refresh. I think the proper term is. Okay, I'm going to refresh because I can't think of the, the yeah, way the proper term. Okay, top 10 winners at Kansas. Harvick, for the fifth time this season, oh took the checker flag. Yep. Martin Truex Jr. was second. Joy Logano, third. Kyle Larson, fourth. Denny Hamlin, fifth. Paul Menard, sixth. Eric Jones, seventh. Kurt Busch, eighth. Eric Amarola, ninth. And Kyle Busch, tenth. Some notables, Daniel Suarez was 28th, and he's a notable because I thought last week, if I'm not mistaken, he came in third place. I thought he would follow up his third place finish last week with at least a top 10, but that wasn't the case. Matt Kenseth, who came back to us, Mm -hmm. he came back to NASCAR. He only finished 36, and we all know why, because of that accident, but thought I'll throw that out there. And the other notable was Ryan, as in Ryan Blaney and not Ryan Newman. Although they both had eventful races, Ryan, as in Ryan Blaney, is a notable this week because he led 54 laps, but ended up coming in 37th. Right. And just speaking of people who led laps... Harvick led 79 laps, Truex led 13 laps, and Larson led 101 laps. And I think there was one or two other people. I think Austin Dillon led four laps or something like that. But these are just the notables, so that's why I wanted to read them. Let the talk begin about the race. Let's share our thoughts on everything because, let's face it, I thought it was a snooze fest until... The last, what was that? The last few laps, maybe the last 20 laps. And then it started to get good. And it got good because Ryan Blaney got got when he was trying to mess with Kyle Larson. (laughs) 
I don't know what them two was going through. They they had a pretty good battle throughout the race, especially in the stages, because yeah. they were kind of right there and Harvick was right there. In fact, Harvick was like second at the end of stage one and stage two. They were battling pretty hard there. I, I don't know what happened in that sense of how they got in, into contact with each other, but they just got too close. And I know that Gordon, while it was happening, said that maybe he thought like the last bump was a little much, but I had to disagree with him because I, I thought the second bump that he gave Larson was just, I think he was just too much into him that he couldn't get off. You know what I mean? And, and it just happened to be an, a second bump. I understand what Gordon was saying, but it just, I think he was just already too close to him. He, he couldn't get off of him, you know, and then just ruined both of their days, really, to tell you the truth. But they were racing pretty hard, Tam. And if you guys were, like, wondering who Renee was referring to, of course he's talking about NASCAR champion Jeff Gordon and the broadcast right. on Fox. What we do know is Blaney took 100% responsibility for what transpired. Yeah, yeah, he did. That's pretty much that. But like I said, you messed with Larson. And you got God. That's pretty much what happened. Because what's really interesting about it is that Larson ended up racing back to the front and still finished with a top five finish. Mm -hmm. After all that, be careful the next time you bump in somebody. Speaking of bumping too, because I want to talk a little bit about Chase. Chase was feisty. Him and Stenhouse Jr. was playing a little bumper cars <laughs> yeah and it didn't end on the track because chase was feeling himself not like that or anything but you know you gotta know who to pick a fight with and he really went up to stenhouse jr after the race and was like what's up <laughs> yeah yeah we know he wouldn't have did that to say hmm who wouldn't he have done that to maybe kevin harvick i don't think he would have done it to harvick i don't even think he would have done it to kyle bush <laughs> No. Well, yeah, no Kyle Bush, no Harvick, no Ryan Newman. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Ryan Newman. Yeah, well, I'm not mad at Chase. I've watched the race and I've watched the replay and I'm still a little bit baffled as to what their problem was, but I'm not mad at Chase for letting him know how he really felt. Yeah. And that was pretty much that. Yeah, but you know, I just think Chase is just frustrated in his own right. And he's just, he's still trying to seek that first win. And I can imagine how frustrating it is when you're trying to do the best that you can each and every weekend that you go out there on the track and then things happen and then you just kind of just end up getting into somebody or somebody gets into you and then you start to take all these things personal and it's just like oh man so I kind of get it but I do like the fire I do like the passion and if that's what motivates him then so be it he's just frustrated I'm still trying to seek that first win you know you said something about getting into it like I said earlier I thought Kansas was quickly becoming a snooze fest until about 20 laps to go when we saw Blaney and Larson kind of scuff it up and then there was the accident. So, so happy to see William Byron jump out the car because that accident was actually reminiscent of last year yeah. at Kansas when Eric Amarola got into a fiery accident. The difference is Eric was not able to walk away, but luckily William Byron was. Right. Now, ironically, that accident collected about six drivers, including Ryan Newman, who I feel like sometimes Ryan Newman is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. 
Ryan was quoted as saying, we were just an innocent bystander, really. They crashed kind of underneath me, in front of me, and just got all wadded up. Yeah. I mean, I had no place to go. It's just unfortunate, kind of a ho-hum race, I guess you could say, for so long. And then to get 14 laps from the end and tear up a bunch of cars like that just kind of sucks. And that was pretty much my thought. It was a ho-hum, although I wouldn't use the word ho-hum, <laughs> not in my vocabulary whatsoever, but it was a ho-hum race until the last 20 laps, last 14 laps. But I just feel bad for Ryan because he was an innocent bystander. And it seems to be a reoccurring situation for him where he gets collected. Yeah, he's just been having some really bad luck, hasn't he? Like, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you said it right on the head. Just just sometimes at the wrong place at the wrong time. And he just can't seem to dodge these accidents. And um, that's got to be frustrating for him as well. Just kind of going back to the top 10 since I brought up Eric Amarola. Eric Amarola got a top 10 finish. I forgot who it was, so forgive me, but somebody, I want to say maybe it was Patrick, somebody pointed out on Twitter that I guess Eric Amarola was listening to the podcast last week, a week before last, but going into last week, because he has stepped up his game. Even this week, he got a top 10 finish. You have to have a short memory as a NASCAR driver when it comes to Rex, but I'm sure to return to, for lack of a better word, the scene of the crime was probably a lot for him because, it. let's face it, the last time he was at Kansas, he ended up at the hospital. Yeah. Glad to see him come away with a top 10 finish. I mean, those Stuart Haas drivers are doing well because, shoot, Harvick won again. Boy. Kurt was eighth. Eric Amarola was ninth. And Clint Boyer, he was 15th. Yeah. And I didn't mention this earlier, but Clint was collected in the accident with William Byron, and he still actually managed to get back in the race. He was the last car on the lead lap because I think we raced uh, 267 laps and there were only 15 cars who finished on the lead lap and Clint Boyer was one of them he was the last one in 15 and oh one other shout out and notable shout out to David Reagan top 20 finish for the guy he came in 13th yeah very nice for David not bad at all Oh, and and just in case you guys wanted to know, I briefly talked about it. Sorry to jump around. But Chase and Stenthouse, even though they kind of got into it, they both had top 20 finishes. Stenthouse in 11th and Chase in 12th. Okay, so that's it with the notables. Anything else we need to talk about? I will say this. I did want to say this about Harvick. um, And it's just amazing at what level that this guy is racing on because I think we saw the same thing last year with Martin Truex Jr. And the fact that he was able to get around Truex in those final laps or the final lap rather just to win at Kansas, it just goes to show you how when a driver is on it, he is on it. Harvick and his team is on it. And they still admitted the fact that they thought that they started that race terrible, which maybe they might have. But the point is, is that at the end of the race, you walk away with that checkered flag and he's just on another level. Now, it remains to be seen if, you know, Kyle Busch can keep up with him because it seems like Kyle Busch is the only guy that can keep up with Carvick right now. But wow, I mean, this guy is 
this guy's on another planet right now. He said he feels like it's a game. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, that is really crazy when you feel like you're playing a video game or that is a game. Right? I mean, you uh, think about how locked in that Harvick has to be behind that wheel. Like, to really think that it's just more like a game at this point. Like you're just playing a video game. That's that's insane. I mean, if I'm another driver, I'm going, oh, my God, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> well, there was a tweet where somebody has said, I, I forgot, I feel like it was NASCARism. Somebody had posted a photo of Martin Truex Jr. And I'm just paraphrasing because I vaguely remember exactly what it was. But it was something to the effect like, dang, now I know how everybody feels, how everybody felt last year. Because if you recall... Martin Truex Jr. last year won eight races and he went on a tear and everybody was looking at him like, damn, now everybody's looking at Kevin Harvick like, damn. Okay, let's really think about it, Renee. We've had 12 races this season. Five of those races belong to Kevin Harvick. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Which is mind boggling. Yeah. And speaking of Kevin and Truex, those two have been very vocal lately. Yes, they have. Kevin Harvick always has something to say, but Martin Truex Jr. has kind of chimed in and said a few things. In fact, he has something to say about the Fords, which is ironic because, of course, we know we leave all talk about Fords versus Toyotas to right. Brad Keselowski. <laughs> A lot of this went back to what Kislowski said about the Ford cars last year. And I kind of understood what Kislowski was saying in a sense of, and just to refresh our listeners, what was said about Kislowski is he was just saying that it seems like the Ford has a disadvantage to the other cars considering what Toyota had brought out last year and was approved by NASCAR. And he felt like Toyota had an advantage over Ford because Ford at the time didn't have any plans to upgrade or change the style of, of any sort. So he felt like Toyota had an advantage at that point in the fact that NASCAR approved the new style of the car. They had an advantage. Well, fast forward to now, and uh, it's like Truex trying to say that, oh, the Ford has the advantage. Well, Believe it or not, it's Kislowski's teammate, Logano, who came in and said, well, hold on a second. It's funny how the tables are turned and now all of a sudden Truex doesn't like it. I happen to agree with that because it's like you were racing like the way Harvick is racing right now last year. So now that you're not having as much success as you did last year and now the Ford is actually rattling off all these wins, especially with Harvick winning all these, you know, darn races. He's on the other side of the table going, oh, I, you know, we're at a disadvantage. Well, how are you at a disadvantage? And I understand the the, the rules and, and all of these uh, penalties and stuff like that kind of come into play a little bit, Tam. But, and that's the other frustrating thing about it is all of the penalties and rules. But just going back to what I was talking about just a few minutes ago, to my point is, is that I can understand where Kislowski was coming from, but then I know a lot of people kind of took it out of context, but uh, hey man, you know, I mean, it's the roll of the dice and uh, sometimes you're on it and sometimes you're not. But the fact that Kevin Harvick is just rattling off all these wins in that Ford car, what can you say? I'm, I mean, Truex was doing it last year. He wasn't in a Ford. You summed it up correctly. Here's the thing. Truex has, I'm just going to quote him. I, I pulled up a quote from him where he says, I feel like the box for us is a little bit smaller and it's pretty evident that the Fords have an unfair advantage this year. So I'll just throw that out there. Well, throw what out there? What is the unfair yeah. advantage? Because last year, Toyota was dominating thanks to you and your eight wins and your championship. Now, Ford, who... 
By the way, Toyota and Chevy have new bodies and Ford doesn't. Maybe the advantage is the fact that they're still driving equipment that they're used to. Maybe that's the advantage. But like you mentioned and like Joey Logano said, and I'll quote him, he said, how does it feel? Not as good as, in parentheses, Harvick. I can tell you that much. Oh, man, I'm still chasing a car that's way faster than me. It used to be Truex. Now it's Harvick (laughs) at this point. So at the end of the day, Joy Logano is really keeping it 100. Like last year, I was chasing Toyota. Now I'm chasing Ford. Yeah, I'm driving a Ford, but I'm chasing... Well, you know, he's not technically a teammate because they're, you know, Penske, Stuart House, but a Ford teammate. Basically, Joy Logano, I'm summarizing, it's like, just stop whining. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, and not saying Martin Truex Jr. is whining, but, you know, it is what it is. And, And, you know, ironically, you mentioned this about the penalties. Martin has been very vocal. And I won't say vocal because people are asking him questions. He's just probably giving you lengthier answers. Martin Truex Jr. is also talking about NASCAR penalties. He's saying that it's becoming just something negative each week and that he's frustrated every Wednesday because he has to deal with this. And I'll just quote him directly. He says, we get all these stories about this guy was illegal. That guy was illegal. From the fans' point of view, they think, oh, everybody is cheating. This is ridiculous. I'm pissed. I don't want to talk about this on a Wednesday. Or I don't want to watch racing because all these guys are frauds. That's kind of what people, a lot of our fans, are thinking. And then he goes on to say some other things. Honestly, I'm a fan. I don't really look at it as fraud. I just feel exactly the way he feels. Because he also stated he felt that it's just too strenuous. It's just too much in terms of them checking for every single thing. Yeah. So I will agree with him. He's basically saying that the penalties or the process is a little too thorough. And I I would have to agree with him on that. It's just too much. Because even like, I don't know if they have issued, if they're going to issue a penalty for Larson. But Larson has some issues with his back window. Once the race was over in Kansas, his window was a little slump. Now, here's the thing. He had heavy damage. So who's to say that it didn't happen when him and Blaney was banging? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Who knows? But he may be penalized for. So again, it's just too much. If you have ever listened to an episode of All Turns No Breaks, we have covered the inspection process at great length. It's too much. We don't like it. Well, it's not that we don't like it. We just think it's too much. On that note, Kevin Harvick, let's jump back to Kevin because Kevin has also been vocal. But when has he not been vocal? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. We can just take our pick as to what Harvick had to say. What should we jump in first? Should we talk about... If you want, we could we could touch a little bit on what Harvick said about the selling of NASCAR, if you like. I mean, uh, that's something we haven't touched on yet. Sounds like a plan. Listeners, hopefully you're okay with it. And I'll let you talk about it since you're the Dale Jr. expert. And we haven't talked about Dale Jr. in a while on this podcast. So we will talk about Harvick's thoughts on the NASCAR sale if it happens. And then we'll talk about Harvick's thoughts on who will be the next Dale Jr. Right. Perfect. Okay. Harvick 
was asked and talked about the selling of NASCAR, uh, which is something that we talked about on the last episode here on All Turns No Breaks. And Tim, and I know we touched uh, on this last week on our episode, but this time it's more Harvick speaking out a little bit and not speaking out in a bad way. I think Harvick is trying to make light of a situation that maybe most people, including ourselves, look at the selling of NASCAR maybe in a negative way or could possibly be going in a in a negative direction, if you will. Harvick is just trying to make light of of these things, Tam, by just saying that, you know, maybe this might be a good thing. You can bring in some people, some new ownership, and they can kind of take a little bit more control and kind of from the outside looking in, maybe somehow find a way to bring NASCAR together. Harvick was also known as the guy who wanted to throw out there that maybe NASCAR should set up a new schedule of races at newer tracks. Uh, rather than just doing the same old tracks over and over and over again. I think we talked about that on an episode once before, Tam. I can't remember, but I, I believe that we did, and I just don't know what episode it was. I happen to agree with him at that point. Maybe we should try to get some newer tracks on the schedule. Maybe just kind of change it up a little bit for uh, NASCAR fans in general. You know what I mean? I personally would like that. And I think he was just trying to kind of bring all this together by saying, well, you know what? Sometimes a, a new ownership might kind of help kind of guide the sport in the right direction. And sometimes it, it can. But as you know, and I know, Tam, sometimes when you bring a new ownership and a, and a new ownership takes over a new company, they want to do things their way. They want to bring in other people that they are comfortable with. And, and sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. So I've always kind of live by that by that logic. But, uh, you know, you never know. Like I said, I've, I've always been a big believer is, is when new ownership comes in, things change for the worse before it starts to change for the better. Yeah, well, we talked about this last week when I detailed my own work history between the Hilton and Playboy and DirecTV and AT&T. Yep. When a company sells, when a company is bought out, their low morale, things change. Ultimately, you would hope that the company changes for the better. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Harvick makes a lot of great points, maybe not popular points because he goes into depth about he doesn't understand why there are so many NASCAR offices. We talked about this before because there's an office in LA, there's an office in New York, there are offices in Daytona, Charlotte, some other parts of Florida. He said that we don't need all that, or NASCAR doesn't need all that. He also talks about NASCAR getting back to grassroots, which is a very popular stance, by the way. I will tell you what I'm starting to notice just even on our Twitter account. People are a little bit, I don't want to say tuned out, but I see people comment and retweet and like more of the articles that we post to our Twitter account that cover Xfinity, KNN series. It's almost like, I feel like they want more of that information than they do cup right. information. Now, if you listen to the podcast, if you're new to the show, we primarily only cover cup. Occasionally, we will jump into some Xfinity talk, but we cover cup. It's the national mm -hmm. series. So for me, if I'm going to spend my time talking, I'm going to talk about the big dogs. 
Harvick makes some great points. It could be most, I don't know if you guys know, but Harvick actually has a management company where he manages other athletes. The guy knows a little bit of what he's talking about. Maybe he knows a whole lot of what he's talking about. Right, uh, that's exactly correct, Tim. Yeah, he's a driver who's been at this for, what, 17 years? So you got to take notes and listen to what the guy is saying. Yeah. On that note, I do want to talk about who did Harvick think could be the next Dale Jr.? Me and Harvick must have the same mentality because uh, this is one thing that we both agreed on. I think I've said this before, and I don't remember if it was uh, this year or last year, but we did bring this subject up about who the next Dale Jr., our most popular driver of NASCAR, would be. Harvick was on record as saying that he thought Chase Elliott is likely the front runner to be that next person. And I'm going to have to thoroughly agree with Kevin Harvick. I do believe Chase Elliott is going to be the next guy. I think he just needs to uh, start winning in order to <laughs> move along in that direction to become uh, NASCAR's most popular driver. He's going in the right direction by doing all of this. He's a good racer. He's got a great team behind him. He just needs to start try to find a way to start winning to get into that mold. And and I don't know whether he, he wants to be or cares to be the next face of NASCAR like Dale Jr., but he's got all the potential and all the right things right now to do that. But you know what? There are some other guys, and I know we've talked about this before, Tim, but there are some other young guys who could possibly fit that role as well. Eric Jones being one. Blaney being another, there are some really young drivers out there that are just fit into that mold. I don't think Eric Jones will be the most popular (laughs) driver, even if he wins. He doesn't, from my standpoint, don't get me wrong, he just doesn't have the pizzazz. He doesn't have the moxie. I think if you would have asked me this question and I would have shared my thoughts last year, I would have said Chase Elliott. I don't know what's going on with Chase. I don't know if it's frustration. But he's, I don't want to say he's not the man anymore, but we know he's the heir apparent because his dad is Awesome Bill from Dawsonville and he jumped into Hendrick Motorsports, taking over Jeff Gordon's car now. He left the 24 and he's driving his dad's number nine and the young girls like him, but he's not winning. I guess Dale Jr. wasn't the most winningest driver, but he did step up and win the bigger races, whether it's Talladega or the Daytona 500. The stars aligned a little bit different for Dale Jr. because his dad was the intimidator. With Chase Elliott, the stars really had lined up, but now, what is this, his third year? Yes, yeah, his third year already. And you're not winning, not a one race. Now, ironically, I feel like Kyle Larson He is the racer, but I don't think he has the personality to transcend to become the next Dale Jr. I think skill-wise, he is everything. Like, I I think he has the potential to be greater than Dale Jr. in terms of behind the wheel. So I don't even want to compare him to Dale Jr. in terms of skills. But just based on the whole package... Honestly, you know what? I'm going to just put it out there. I feel like NASCAR is pushing Ryan Blaney to be the man. Yeah. Between the way they promote the podcast, Glass Case of Emotions, I think that's the name of it. I feel as if he has 
everything to be that Dale Jr., but he doesn't have the legacy. Yeah, his dad was a racer, but Chase Elliott as well as Dale Jr., they come from stock. They come from racing stock. They come from Bill Elliott and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Yeah, that's a good point. And then let's not forget Bubba Wallace. I mean, Bubba has the personality for sure. Definitely has a personality for that. But it's going to be a minute before he puts it all together in terms of winning. And the fans appreciate him. It's hard to say who's going to be the next Dale Jr. Because let's just face it, there will never be another Dale Jr. Just like there was never (laughs) another Dale (laughs) Sr. That's for sure. So I think that just ended that conversation. Yep. There you go. I do want to talk about an article that I've read. I think you read the article too. That talks about competition being an issue for NASCAR. And what the article was saying, which I thought was a very, very great article, and I find it to be true, is that NASCAR, everybody's worried about the sale, but maybe they should start to worry about the domination. Because if Kevin Harvick continues to dominate, why will fans continue to tune in? Here's the thing. Everybody should love a winner, but we all know whether it's Kobe, especially LeBron James, people hate a winner. And they hate you when you're winning too much. And then it doesn't really add to the dramatics of NASCAR when one guy is winning all the time. We talked about this. Oh, my God. We talked about this last year on several episodes. Remember how Martin Truex Jr. was the favorite and people were so they had empathy for him and Sherry, his longtime girlfriend who had cancer. And boy, the more he won, the more they started to turn on him. And it's a shame that that happens in that way. I think you made a great point, Tim. It can go with any sport and, and NASCAR is no different. But when Bird was winning, people didn't like Bird. When Magic was winning, they didn't like Magic. They was, it was too much Jordan. It was too much LeBron. It was too much Kobe. People just get tired of seeing winners. And I think I heard you say this once before, that sometimes these athletes become a victim of their own success. It's apparent that when you start winning a lot, and and in the case that you just mentioned, like Truex last year, boy, it was amazing how quick they started to turn on him because he was winning too much. You're like, we want you to win, but we don't want you to win all the time. I can almost guarantee you right now, Tam, that there's a lot of people out there who are just tired of seeing Harvick win. They're just tired of seeing him burning out at the end of the race and taking the checker flag. And I can totally understand, but we all kind of fall into this rut because if it's, if it ain't your team, if it's not your guy, and if it's not your driver, then you're just tired of seeing this, this person win. You said it. NASCAR fans are fickle. See, here's what you have to understand. In 12 races, Harvick's won five and Bush, NASCAR fans' arch enemy, has won three. So that's eight of 12 races that those two have won. And if you guys want to check out the article, it was actually an article written by Brendan Marks from Charlotte Observer. So it's actually posted on the Charlotte Observer. And the title of the article is called NASCAR's New Problem, Repeat Winners and Why They're Bad for Racing in 2018. I'm not going to go too much deeper in the article other than saying what I just said, maybe adding on the fact that the race at Kansas to me was a snooze fest. We didn't even have a competition caution for contact until 20 laps to go. So that means we went 200 and something laps with the only cautions being for regular competition cautions. So now you take in the fact that one driver, two drivers are dominating the race and they're winning. 
uh, it can become a problem. It really can. You guys let us know what you think. Do you think the lack of winners or new winners is an issue in NASCAR? Do you see it becoming a problem? Let us know what you think about that. So on that note, I don't even think we should do a fan comment of the week. Okay. I did have a few things that kind of caught my eye. In fact, on Twitter during the race. So I want to give a shout out to Sam Morris, Samuel. His Twitter is Sam underscore Morris underscore 23 on Twitter. And Bill Steinbach, the third, his user is Bill underscore Steiny3. That's S-T-E-I-N-I-E-3. The two of them, I don't want to use the term got into it, but they went back and forth on Twitter during the race about a comment that was made. There was something, and I retweeted it, but it kind of stemmed from somebody saying 200 laps and no natural cautions, hashtag NASCAR. That took a life of its own. Bill chimed in, Sam chimed in, and they went back and forth for quite a few tweets. I'm not going to read all the tweets, but I will tell you I found the tweets to be entertaining. I'll just give you one or two from each. Samuel Sam underscore Morris underscore 23, he responded by saying stages literally cause less cautions and action. Funny how that backfired. And then Bill chimed in and said, look back at stats. The number of cars being lapped this year is basically the way NASCAR was from 1960 to 2000 or so. The so-called better days. Nothing has changed except stages. They went back and forth and it's great to see the passion with NASCAR fans, but it's also great when these fans are looking at stats from 20 years ago, trying to prove their point. Yeah. That was pretty much the fan comment of the week. I guess it wasn't really a fan comment of the week, but it was because they were fans and those were their <laughs> comments. It was a fan comment of the week. Right. It is time for some predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. I don't know if we can really give predictions for the all-star race, but next week, Saturday to be exact, yep. is all-star race in Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, Renee, who you got? Well, I literally feel like I have no choice but to go with Harvick. The guys won three in a row and then let Kyle Busch win three in a row. And then, not that he let Kyle Busch win three in a row, but Kyle Busch rattled off three in a row. And now he's got two in a row. I'm going to have to go with Kevin Harvick again. And if I have to pick an alternative pick, it's going to have to be Kyle Busch because these two are the only two guys that I see on top of the game right now. I mean, maybe Martin Truex Jr. could probably sneak in there and maybe win something. Tam, I'm going to have to go with Kevin Harvick, and uh, that that is my pick, and I'm, I'm sticking with that. Okay, those are Renee's picks. Not really rocket science because it's the all-star race. (laughs) And those are the two hottest guys. They're all-stars. Let's face it. You guys, I'm sure, understand how the all-star race works between qualifying, being voted, the shootout, and all that. If you don't know, head over to NASCAR.com because I'm not about to explain. (laughs) Okay. History lesson before I give you guys my pick. The first all-star race was in 1985. So that means that we've been at this all-star thing for quite some time, for a few decades. In the earlier years, it was called the Winston. And for a few years, it was called the Winston Select. You guys recall Winston was like the first primary sponsor of NASCAR. And it was the sponsor for a long time before 
Nextel came in and Nextel was brought out by Sprint. So then it became Sprint. So from 2004 to 2007, it was called the Nextel All-Star Challenge. From 2008 to 2012, it was called the Sprint All-Star Challenge. 2013 to 2016, it was called the Sprint All-Star Race. And then when Monster Energy came in in 2017, it was named the Monster Energy All-Star Race. Past 10 winners, starting with 2008, Casey Kane won the All-Star Race. 2009, Tony Stewart. 2010, Kurt Busch. 2011, Carl Edwards. Hey, Cousin Carl. 2012, Jimmy Johnson. 2013, Jimmy Johnson. 2014, Jamie McMurray. Ironically, Jamie McMurray has won all the big races. He's won the Daytona 500. He's won Talladega. He's won all-star races, but he does not have a championship. Just putting that out there. 2015, Denny Hamlin. 2016, Joy Logano. And last year, your boy Kyle Busch was the all-star winner. Interesting to see if he can go back to back. And if you guys were wondering, what about Kevin Harvick? I just read you the past 10 winners. Kevin Harvick did win the Nextel All-Star Challenge in 2007. So those are the past 10 winners. And that is the history of the All-Star Race. I am going to pick Kevin Harvick as my winner. And I am going to pick Kyle Larson as my alternative pick because the young guy is hot and it's time for him to put it all together and win something. Aha. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Those are Tam's picks. She's sticking to them. Those are my picks. I'm sticking to them. And if you guys have uh, picks of your own, just like always, you know, hit us up and let us know what your picks are. And listen, guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to search for All Turns No Breaks on Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone or Google Play if you are on an Android. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. You can also find the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have friends that love NASCAR, make sure to turn them on to All Turns No Breaks. Tell at least two friends to subscribe to All Turns No Breaks. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you follow us at Turns No Breaks. That's at Turns No Breaks. If you want NASCAR news directly in your or in your email inbox, head over to our website, allturnsnobreaks.com, and sign up for our newsletter. For Tam and myself, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to talking NASCAR with you and each and every one of you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 